1: Hello Bleeding Green Nation and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up a big week for the birds as they get the safety that they've been looking for uh, and it has now I think Jalen Hurts proofed their roster. Uh, We'll talk about the article I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation on that this week. Also, uh, the Eagles are starting to get a lot of Super Bowl chatter. Uh, There's an injury to Andre Dillard this week. We're going to get into the severity on that. The Eagles also pick up a QB3, what they're thinking as far as their third quarterback goes, and some news around the NFL as well. We'll do all that coming up here on this episode of Eye on the Enemy. But the big news for the Philadelphia Eagles this week is, of course, the the signing of—not the signing— the trade for New Orleans safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from New Orleans. Um, Really, the Eagles did not give up a whole lot to get him. It was a terrific deal for the Eagles and fills the last remaining hole on this team, really, which was at safety. And so now you, you brought Anthony Harris back onto the practice squad. So the Eagles now suddenly looking really good at safety, and the defensive picture is pretty much complete. You think about what the Eagles had to do this offseason in order to fill all of their holes, they've pretty much done it all. So they were in no particular order. The question marks coming into the season, would you potentially upgrade from Jalen Hurts at quarterback? You had to acquire another wide receiver, hopefully a game-changing wide receiver. You had to get at least one premier pass rusher. You had to bring in a legitimate uh, cornerback, too. You had to improve the linebacking core and you had to upgrade at safety. So, did they get the game changing wide receiver? Yes, they did when they traded for A.J. Brown and then signed Zach Pascal to be a huge upgrade at wide receiver four. Did they acquire one premier pass rusher? Yes, they did, signing Hassan Reddick to a three year, $45 million deal. They also drafted Jordan Davis to upgrade the defensive tackle position. Did they bring in a legitimate cornerback number two? Yes. Thank you, New York Giants. We will take James Bradbury on a one-year contract. We appreciate that, and don't let the door hit you on the way out. Did they improve the linebacking core? I think we've seen with the signing of Kaiser White from to a free agent deal and drafting N'Kobe Dean that this team looks a whole lot better at linebacker. Of course, uh, Hassan Reddick will play some linebacker too. Did they upgrade at safety? And again, this was not something I thought was going to happen. It seemed like Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps, and when they got Jaquiski Tart, you thought that that was going to be their safety trio. But then they—it um, was a really weird set of circumstances. They released Tart, and you're like, okay, that's not wholly unexpected. Tart was away from the team for some personal reasons. When he came back, he didn't play all that well. But then, then you saw they release Anthony Harris, and you're like, whoa, they—they they cut Anthony Harris. I'm like, what? What are they doing now? Then of course the news came down a few minutes later that they made the trade for Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who played mostly nickel cornerback for New Orleans and is going to be moved to safety. In a contract dispute with New Orleans, the Saints decided let's just move up let's just move along and get something for him. And so the Eagles are gonna play him at safety, which is what Gardner Johnson wants. Certainly you're gonna make more money as a premier safety in this league than you are as a cornerback three. So the Eagles go and they get a huge upgrade at safety to pair with Marcus Epps. Now you've got Anthony Harris on the practice squad. Uh, we'll see how that position shakes out finally when the when the rosters are completed. But the 2022 roster, before the draft, this looked like they were gonna run it back. It had it didn't look like it didn't look anything like what it does now. And now, whereas the Eagles roster last year was littered with holes, suddenly this looks like one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Suddenly, Jonathan Gannon's defense looks like it has the ability to be a dynamic, aggressive, and confounding uh, a defense. The offensive line can pass block and run block with the best of them. There are playmakers all over the offense and at the offensive skill positions. The biggest question mark this team has is at its quarterback. You're not sure about Jalen Hurts. No one is sure if he's going to be the long-term answer or if he's going to be able to progress as a passer how they need him to be. But I, I've now come to believe that this roster is so good around him, they don't need him to be a Pro Bowl-caliber thrower in order to make a deep playoff run or maybe even a Super Bowl run. And I'm going to read you some of the some of the Super Bowl predictions from the NFL.com writers. You're going to see the Eagles' name pop up quite a bit amongst all of their picks. So even if Hertz is largely the same player as he was last year, the improvement at wide receiver should be enough to make the passing game More dangerous, and the defense is going to help him. It's a drastic... On paper, looks like a drastic improvement. It should be a unit that puts pressure on quarterbacks, stuffs the run, creates turnovers, and gives Hertz more short fields and more possessions to work with. Just to remember, the defense was on the field a lot last year. The the Eagles dominated time of possession because they ran the ball so much, but if they didn't do that, they would have been... The defense would have had a hard time getting off the field, especially against the good teams, especially against the good quarterbacks. Somebody on Twitter, and I I apologize, I don't have the tweet in front of me. Somebody on Twitter basically said, what we need from Jalen Hurts is to, to not, he doesn't need to be Peyton Manning, he needs to be Eli Manning. And I thought that was a really good way of putting it. Jalen Hurts doesn't need to be Peyton Manning. He doesn't need to be one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFC, one of even the five best quarterbacks in the NFC. They need him to be Eli Manning. Eli Manning can manage a game, and he could a few times a year, and he, he seemed to do it in the playoffs a lot, come up with big games. But he's so dynamic as a runner that I think that is still going to be a threat with Jalen Hurts, and he can. I think he's going to have, just by nature, Having Zach Pascal not having Jalen Rager around, and we're going to talk about Rager in a minute too, but not having Jalen Rager around, not having you know John Hightower is one of your four main weapons. You know, Greg Ward was a fine possession receiver, but the upgrade is tremendous for this team at wide receiver. And so, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think this I think this team may have just become Jalen Hurts proof. <laughs> I think I think they may have figured out a way to to make this team a a really good team that can reach the Super Bowl without Jalen Hurts having to do it all, and so um, so it was a big it was a big signing getting Chauncey Gardner Johnson in here was a big signing for the Eagles and great job once again by Howie Roseman who again put the Eagles in a position where they had to go through a rebuild maybe unnecessarily but has fixed it he's fixed it and I think all calls for Howie Roseman to be fired from this point forward um will will. You know, be scuttled uh, for from here till evermore. Because even if he messes things up, I think we've seen from Howie Roseman that he can put it back together. Um, some other Eagles news. Uh, this was not good news. Andre Dillard suffered a non-displaced fracture in his forearm in practice on Friday. Uh, some further. T- uh, this uh, the the Twitter feed. Let's go to the phones was the first to report the news, and then Mike Garafolo added some uh, some specifics. They say that. Uh, they don't know a timeline for a return but the expectation is that Dillard will be available for here's the keyword a majority of the season. So maybe he misses close to half but the expectation is that Dillard will not miss a, will not miss a majority but will be available for a majority of the season. So he's going to miss some time. It certainly will affect their depth a little bit. You really need Jordan Milata to stay healthy. Uh, it looks as though Dillard will probably have to go on injured reserve. Uh, which means that he will miss at least the first four weeks of the regular season. If that happens, uh, you'll probably see the Eagles sign LaRaven Clark from their practice squad to their forty to their fifty-three player roster. He'd be the backup until Dillard is ready to return. Uh, Brandon Lee Galton was uh, mentioning this on BleedingGreenNation.com uh, that Clark did not have a good summer, but he also has started sixteen games in his fifty-one career uh, games played. So. Uh, he does have some ex- some experience starting at left tackle, although that's certainly not the situation that you want. The Eagles also claimed Ian Book off waivers from the Saints this week. Ian Book was uh, New Orleans' 2021 fourth-round pick uh, quarterback from... Uh, oh, where, where was he from? I'm not remembering now where uh, where Book was from. But uh, it appears as though the Eagles had someone else in mind for their number three quarterback. They were looking at, uh, at, at Kellen Mond, as the guy that they wanted uh he is the vikings 2021 third round pick um but unfortunately the browns also put in a claim for kellen mond and since uh, the uh the claiming order mirrors the nfl draft order the eagles were 19th in line while the browns were ahead of them at 13th in line so the, the browns got kellen mond and the eagles got uh ian book now You'd think, well, one's a third-round guy, one's a fourth-round guy in the same draft, that you know they're probably pretty comparable. But um, when you look at the picks, actually, it's pretty significant. Uh, Mond was the number 66 overall pick in the 2021 draft, the second overall selection in the third round, while Book was the fifth-to-last selection of the fourth round and at number 133 overall. So... Uh, 70, was it 77? Yes, no, 67 picks separated these two quarterbacks in the 2021 draft. But uh, the Eagles uh, now signing Ian Book, uh, hoping that they can um, turn him around into a decent backup quarterback and just give a little bit more of an assurance there that uh, if something were to happen to Jalen Hurts, that Gardner Minshew comes in and then you need a backup to Gardner Minshew. Uh, they're going to try and uh, coach up Ian Book and see if he can see if he can be that guy. Uh, the Eagles uh, did also trade for a running back uh, this week. If you like Sermons on Sunday, uh, then you'll like Trey Sermon. Uh, they didn't trade for him. They claimed him off waivers from the 49ers. Sorry, uh, not a trade. Um, it was a, a claiming off waivers. And uh, this could be the big back that the Eagles have been looking for without, um, without Jordan Howard on the team. Uh, Sermon is 6 feet tall, 215 pounds. Um you know I I think you don't necessarily need to have a big guy in there but it certainly doesn't hurt to have one of those guys so um I know the, Philly, the Eagles have used uh, Boston Scott down near the goal line in recent seasons, but um, apparently the Eagles had investigated trading for Sermon, but uh, decided to wait and see if he would be released, and uh, then he was, and so the Eagles went and claimed him off waivers. Uh, he will probably be inactive when the Eagles start the season in Detroit, but once the season gets rolling right along, my guess is that you could see him as the number three running back on this team. Uh, Miles Sanders is still going to be the guy. Uh, You're still going to have Boston Scott there, but they did not like what Kenny Gainwell showed them in the, in the preseason and during the summertime. Um, Gainwell's big strength is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And he really struggled with that so far this summer. He was very good last year, but really struggled with it during the course of the summer. So uh, you bring Sermon in here. Um, He was a third round selection in the 2021 draft, he went 15 picks after the Eagles took Milton Williams at number 73. He was uh, he was an Oklahoma sooner, sooner, and then transferred to Ohio State for his final season. Um, he only played nine games for the 49ers as a rookie. 41 carries for 167 yards and a touchdown. Three catches for 26 yards and another uh, touchdown there. Uh, But uh, remember, the 49ers just have all of those running backs to give the ball to. So uh, probably not a big surprise that he didn't get a whole lot of run in San Francisco. Uh, As a sophomore at Oklahoma, he did score 13 touchdowns and run for 947 yards, but um, struggled the year after that. Then uh, had a good season for Ohio State, running for 870 yards, four touchdowns uh with the buckeyes that season so not a guy that's a big new uh uh, needle mover but you certainly needed the number uh, another running back in the in the fold you're going to have miles sanders boston scott kenny gainwell those are gonna be your top three guys but now they have a big a big back guy that again probably will be inactive to start the season uh but will be someone someone there to give you some depth one of the other big pieces of news this week, as the Eagles are getting down to 53, they traded Jalen Rager to the Minnesota Vikings. What bitter irony here. I mean, we all, we all remember the, the Vikings video of draft night. When the Eagles are picking one spot in front of them, Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager are both sitting on the board, and they just assume, well, the Eagles are going to go get Justin Jefferson, so you know, what are we going to do next? And then the call comes in that the Eagles pick Jalen Rager. And the Vikings room erupts in laughter and celebration, and they're telling their guys run to the podium and give them Justin Jefferson's name because they they saw again what we have all seen, and that is that Justin Jefferson is by was by far the better prospect and has become a star in the NFL. That being said, now Minnesota likes Jalen Rager enough to trade for him. Um, they uh, they pick him up. Uh, the Phillies send Rager to Minnesota as well as a seventh round pick in 2023 for a conditional uh, 20. Tw- oh no, sorry. They they um the Eagles get a 23 seventh round pick, but they get a conditional. 2024 fourth round selection that will become a fifth rounder if Jalen Rager doesn't meet certain statistical benchmarks, and so it's most likely that he'll be it'll be a 2024 fifth round pick, but it could be a fourth rounder based on whatever it is the numbers are that Jalen Rager has to hit. So they get a seventh rounder and either a fourth or a fifth rounder in the 2024 round uh, draft uh, to uh, for Jalen Rager and he's going to join Justin Jefferson. Now Justin Jefferson basically would always be linked to Jalen Rager. We said it at the time that those two quarterbacks would always be linked together, at least for the Eagles. And uh, now they're going to be linked together in the same wide receiver room in Minnesota. Guess where the Vikings first road game is this year in week two in Philadelphia against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Rager will come back home. I don't think he's going to get a positive reception from the Philly crowd that night if he's introduced, but, um, We'll see exactly where he fits on, uh, on, on Minnesota's uh, roster and on their depth chart. Um, I do think Minnesota's going to be a pretty good team this year, and so I don't know how much Jalen Rager is going to play, but uh, he's a guy that does have some upside, and if, if, you're, if you're looking for a change of scenery guy, I, I guess Jalen Rager is it. Um, and Now the Eagles will move on, and I think this is a feather in Howie Roseman's cap that they do, this team does not suffer the sunk cost fallacy. They got rid of Carson Wentz, even though they had paid him a ton of money, and they ate the monstrous cap hit to be rid of him when other teams probably would have just held on for years with a guy that they were paying that much money to. But the Eagles didn't des- decided not to buy into the sunk cost fallacy, where like, hey, we've already dumped so much money in this guy, we can't afford to get rid of him. No, if it makes your team worse... If you can improve the team by moving on and taking the financial hit, you do it. And this really with Jalen Rager was as much, it certainly a, a, a financial hit because he signed the, a, a first-round rookie deal. He's getting good money. But it's more of a um, an admission that you made a terrible choice here. And let's not hold on to it. Let's not make a bad decision worse. Let's move on and get something for this guy who can help us in the future. And, you know, who knows if a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick in 2024 is actually going to help you. But you free up the roster spot. It's still not clear who's going to return punts. Um, I, I don't, know, don't know who that guy's going to be. Maybe Boston Scott back there, but um, I don't know who's going to return punts for the Eagles with Jalen Rager gone, but Rager wasn't a very good punt returner to begin with. So the Eagles and, and Howie Roseman, to his credit, I don't know that we use the word humility very often when we're talking about Howie Roseman, but it takes a certain level of humility to admit that you've made a mistake to admit that something that you planned didn't work out and move on from it because it's, it's kind of a, it's an admission of failure, but I think you see from a fan base, at least you see from me, I appreciate when a general manager or an owner or a team president can admit a mistake and say, listen, Let's move on from this. Let's not let this handcuff us for the next decade or five years or whatever it is. Let's just move on. Let's clear the decks. We'll pay this guy whatever we need to pay him. We'll take the cap hit, but it's going to make our team better, and it's better for Jalen Rager to go someplace where he can start fresh and start new. This team does not fall into the sunk cost fallacy. If there is a high-priced guy on their team that is not productive and they have an answer someplace else, they generally will move on. Fletcher Cox is a different story. I don't think that they believe Fletcher Cox is a bad player anymore. They, willing, they were done with his contract, they could have moved on, but they willingly signed him after they after they let him go. They willin- willingly re-signed him because they felt like he had some value. So that's a different thing. That's not a sunk cost fallacy thing. That's not money you committed to a guy over many years and you realize you're not going to get the return on your investment. Or you made a commitment to a, to a, a high-profile player and you realize this isn't working out. But for the sake of pride, I can't move on. That's not what's happening. So uh, I, I'm— I was pleased to see that, pleased to see how I Roseman once again was able to avoid the sunk cost fallacy because I'll tell you something, the sunk cost fallacy can ruin teams, can set a team back for years because you have to wait until that sunk cost is no longer on your books or no longer part of your mindset. And the the Eagles just decide not to do that. They, They could have held on for Carson Wentz, and they could have held Jalen Rager for another season, To do what? I don't know. But they decided to go out and make real changes. They could have decided not to sign Zach Pascal and keep Jalen Rager as as wide receiver four. They could have decided not to trade for A.J. Brown and tried to force Jalen Rager as the number two wide receiver but they didn't do that. And so kudos to Howie Roseman for getting something for Jalen Rager and getting him uh, getting him someplace where he can start fresh. And I wish Jalen Rager luck. It didn't work out here. Hopefully it works out better for him in Minnesota, just not in Week 2 uh, against the Eagles and not if these two teams face each other in the playoffs, which... You know, I think both these teams look pretty good this year, so we'll see. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around the NFL. Russell Wilson signs a big contract with Denver, and I'm still trying to figure that out. Plus, NFL.com has been putting out all of their predictions, and there's some good vibes around the Philadelphia Eagles coming from the NFL.com writers' room. So we're going to take a look at all that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with a little more eye on the enemy here for you. So uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos made a big deal this uh, this week, um, just beating the self-imposed deadline the two had set for a contract extension. The numbers here for Russell Wilson are mind-boggling. Keep in mind, this is a 33-year-old quarterback. Now, I know Tom Brady is still playing effectively into his mid-40s. I think that's the outlier. We normally see quarterbacks start to lose their stuff in their 30s, but... Here is Denver has decided to go all in on the guy that they traded for, signing him to a five-year, $245 million extension with $165 million guaranteed. That is in addition to the two years he had left on his Seattle deal. The Broncos could have just played these last two years out on his Seattle deal and gone from there and decided, okay, maybe even just play this year out and then renegotiate with Russell Wilson next season. But now they are tied to Russell Wilson, Denver is, for seven more years, and he's 33. So I don't know if you can do the math in your head, but that's to his age 40 season that, they, that they've that they committed big, big money to Russell Wilson. And I like Russell Wilson. I wanted the Eagles to trade for Russell Wilson this offseason. I think he's still a great quarterback. He can do a lot of things. He was injury-prone last year. He missed a lot of the season last year. When he played, he was very, very good. And some of the games where he wasn't good, he was dealing with that injury. He, he could very well take Denver on a playoff run this year. He is an extremely good quarterback. He really hasn't shown, other than the injuries, any signs of slowing down. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Denver decided they wanted to commit the next seven years of their franchise to him. But is there anybody who thinks that he's going to be a good quarterback three years from now. I just, I don't have that confidence level for a guy who's 33 to to commit that much time to him. I just don't understand it. So that's $49 million a year in new money on the five-year extension. That puts Wilson right behind Aaron Rodgers, who has it 50.3 million and ahead of Kyler Murray at 46.1 million. The $165 million of guaranteed money does fall short of Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed $230 million deal. You want to know why the Eagles were able to do what they were able to do at all the different positions they were able to do it? It's because they're paying Jalen Hurts pennies compared to some of these other quarterbacks. And maybe that maybe that is the way to go because the, the Carson Wentz deal was a big money deal. It didn't work out. Um, Obviously, Aaron Rodgers. You sign Aaron Rodgers to a long term deal. You pay him whatever he wants. Now, Aaron Rodgers is not on a long term deal, but um, Kyler Murray, committing $46 million a year to Kyler Murray. Okay. I like Kyler Murray, but okay. $230 million in guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson with all of his off field stuff. Great talent, young player. Okay, you know, $165 million in guaranteed money to Russell Wilson, a $33 million quarterback who you now have to pay and have as your starting quarterback for the next seven years to his age 40 season? Okay, you know, I'm just—that's that's more than I would have felt comfortable doing if I were the Denver Broncos general manager and president. But, you know, John Elway knows what he wants, man, and uh, I, I get the sense that they believe Russell Wilson is going to be an elite-level quarterback well into his 30s and even into his age 40 season they better hope so cuz that's going to that's going to lead to very very little flexibility in terms of what they can do with the rest of the roster uh, with Russell Wilson soaking soaking that much cash up on the uh, on the salary cap but a big money deal for Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos one trade that did not happen this offseason and i think we all thought it was going to happen and it might say something about what they about what they feel at the the starter is the 49ers have opted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and keep him on the team along with Trey Lance. Um, I think, I think San Francisco was looking for a trade partner. They may not have gotten what they wanted, but um, Jimmy Garoppolo also has been dealing with some, some shoulder issues that delayed his offseason. season. Uh, he delayed surgery by about six weeks earlier in the off season, which also took his recovery timetable into training camp. So um, I think a lot of teams before they engaged the 49ers in trade conversations wanted to make sure that his shoulder was okay. Um, but you know, I'm very surprised. I mean, and I, we don't really know whether this is the 49ers were not able to find a trade partner. Or whether they just decided, you know what, we're not convinced that Trey Lance is the guy. Um, It it could very well be that San Francisco is just holding on to Garoppolo as an insurance policy. Uh, The 49ers, I know they told Trey Lance at the beginning of the offseason that he was their guy. And that if Garoppolo was back, that he would be the backup so is this going to cause a problem in the locker room or will the locker room appreciate the fact that they're holding on to a guy who got them to the NFC championship game last year for better or worse. And he didn't look great, but he's gotten them. He's gotten them deep into the playoffs. And with Trey Lance, who's a running quarterback, you worry about an injury to a guy like that. Is, is this, is this good? Is it, you've got a roster that really could be, is a super bowl contending roster around the quarterbacks. Is it, is it the right move to hold on to Garoppolo in, in case you don't see what, what you don't like what you see from Trey Lance and, and you run the risk of him getting hurt? Um, those are all possibilities, and it's going to make for an interesting situation in San Francisco, especially in the locker room. You worry about it causing a distraction and messing with the wins and losses on the field. You know that I've predicted, and I'm going to go over my predictions, my final predictions in a second, that I predicted the 49ers to miss the playoffs this year because of all the uncertainty at quarterback. And I predicted that Jimmy Garoppolo would be traded. I think he still could be traded if a team gets desperate near the trade deadlines, a contender loses their quarterback, or a, a, a quarterback massively underperforms uh, that you expected to do well. Jimmy, They could be calling for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, for right now, the 49ers are going to open the season with Garoppolo as the backup quarterback behind Trey Lance. And uh, get your popcorn. We will see what happens. I did think the NFL.com staff predictions this week were very interesting. And... Everybody's on board the Eagles bandwagon over at NFL.com. I know it's not necessarily the same at other outlets, but uh, they talked to, I think they had 25 writers uh, taking part in this. And of the 25 writers, 23 of them picked the Eagles over the Cowboys to win the NFC East. Uh, it is, I think we are looking at a two team race between Philadelphia and Dallas. Um, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, Definitely took steps back this year, and this is kind of what the NFL writers were mentioning. The Amari Cooper trade, Tyron Smith getting hurt, and the Eagles. A lot of people feeling good about the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade and and just how it completes the defense and really helps things out. Uh, The Eagles have the momentum right now. The Dallas Cowboys certainly do not have the momentum uh, as far as uh, the confidence nationally. Uh, one team is clearly ascending. The other team is is on the way down. NFL.com writers also took a look at which teams they thought would win the Super Bowl, making their Super Bowl predictions. And most are picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. A lot of Bills Packers, some Bills over the 49ers, Bills over the Rams. Uh, But Gennaro Felice is one who is picking the Eagles to get to the Super Bowl and losing to the Bills. Another writer also picking the Bills over the Eagles, Adam Rank. Um, And then uh, Jim Trotter, picking the Eagles to lose to the Bills in the Super Bowl. So a somewhat popular pick, not as popular as Bills over Rams or uh, uh Bills over um actually I don't see the Bills over the Buccaneers all that much. It's mostly uh Bills over the Rams, Bills over the Packers. Only one only one of these writers is picking Bills over the Buccaneers. Um but three people picking Bills over the Eagles. Uh the Chargers are the team that got the second most votes for Super Bowl winner. Uh, and um one of those picks was for Chargers over the Eagles. Um, Mark Sesler, uh predicted the Chargers to beat the Birds um, in the Super Bowl coming up later this year. So that's another Eagles Super Bowl pick. Uh, a number of people did pick the Buccaneers. Actually, three writers picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, the Eagles can't get to the Super Bowl if the Bucks are the pick. Uh, the Ravens. So uh, uh, Brooke, uh, I don't know how to say this uh, this woman's name. Brooke Sir Sirsomimo. Cersosimo, I'm sorry, Brooke, I've, I'm just not familiar with your work, but she's got the Ravens over the Saints. Uh, one person, Jeremy Bergman, picking the Packers over the Ravens. Uh, there was one uh, one pick uh, for the Chiefs. Mark Ross picking the Chiefs over the Eagles, uh, saying the, the Andy Reid Bowl for the Lombardi Trophy. The upstart Eagles Cinderella season strikes midnight against the Chiefs uh, with Patrick Mahomes' brilliance winning the day. One writer picks the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl eagles over chiefs greg rosenthal picking the eagles over the chiefs to win the super bowl saying eagles fans won't be able to complain anymore after their second surprise super bowl in six years so greg rosenthal welcome to come on this podcast anytime with smart picks like that my friend all right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. And next week, I'm going to give you my predictions on the entire NFL season. Division winners, I'll give you records, I'll give you playoff games, and I'll give you who my pick is to uh, what my pick is for the Super Bowl. If you've been paying attention, you know what it is already. Uh, but we'll run down the entire NFL uh, prediction board there and uh, and give you everything else. Uh, and uh, next week, we'll do that with a guest. We'll have a guest on, too, to get some picks for you as we preview the 2022 NFL season. Check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day for the latest news and notes about your birds and check out all the other podcasts we have for you here at the bleeding green nation podcast feed thanks everybody for tuning in i'll talk to you next week right here on I on the first
0: thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts